You know, I am so amazed at these losers out there on the internet. And I'm talking about people that uh, on these 4chan sites, these assholes who come at me and whine and bitch about that I'm a, a liberal, liberal cuck, libtard cuck, um, a democratic shill, all kinds of t derogatory language and anti-Semitic and all this stuff. And they come at me and they say that they used to be a fan of mine and how they can't stand me anymore because I dare express my opinions or I, I use uh, my comedy in different ways than, than they like. And anyways, so they go on and on from their little fucking basement. And then when I go on the air here, these losers, these little pigs don't have the guts to call in and challenge me in the flesh, in person. They just sit and they squirm. Pathetic. Destroys comedy. What you just heard was the beginning of the YouTube documentary. I hope I get this name right. I am a cuck. That's right. Tim Heidecker versus the alt right documentary. Joining us today is the maker of it. So it's a pleasure to have him on this show to talk about a subject that, for one reason or another, I can't entirely rip myself away from. But neither can a lot of people, but for other reasons. Here is Liam Porter. Thank you so much. Hello. Uh, here I am. Yes, I am Liam Porter, director of I Am A Cuck. Right. I, so uh, does it feel weird? Does it just feel like an actual podcast, what I'm doing right now? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's making me a bit nervous. So professional. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm usually, usually not this professional, but I'm thinking this episode, this is going to be a real podcast. 
you're really flexing your professionality on me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all the flexing. I'm sorry. You can't see me right now. You can help it. But I've got muscles. I'm muscle flexing. I guess you can't then. <laughs> I, I can't. I really can't. Before all the listeners out there who hadn't heard about this documentary, how would you describe it to people? Well, I Am A Cook is a journey through the year 2016 from the point of view of Tim Heidecker, who in the course of that year found himself unwillingly sucked into a feud, let's say, between him and a sketch comedy troupe based in uh, Boston, Million Dollar Extreme, a Million Dollar Extreme led by Sam Hyde, an anarchic anti-comedian, self-styled anti-comedian. And the year ended with a um, on-air falling out between the two in the wake of Sam Hyde's cancellation from Adult Swim, the network they shared. For a very brief moment in time. And you said falling out, and I would, I would just go as to say that that implies that there was friendliness between them at any point, but no, there was not. For all, no. for, for all intents and purposes, they probably did not know each other. And that, that very awkward phone call on the Office Hours podcast was probably the first time they ever spoke to each other, and probably the last. Right, indeed. I think that Sam Hyde considered them peers, whereas uh, Tim Heidecker probably considered Sam more like a stalker. <laughs> more like a king of comedy type. Right, yes, a, a Rupert Pumpkin type. Ru Rupert, Rupert Pumpkins. Or was it Pumpkin? Well, it's for Pumpkin this, to me. It's Pumpkins, and it would have been a much fun... If he changed his name to Rupert Pumpkin, it would have been a lot funnier. Yeah. Pumpkin, pumpkin is just a funny name. Pumpkin is a funny word. It's instantly hilarious. I'll say it again. Pumpkin. <laughs> See? Oh, oh I got you got me. You got me. Pumpkin. So, so this documentary oh, on YouTube, it's mostly comprised of audio clips as that are also backed up with like images to help sort of illustrate the story. And there's Yes, you know, it's it's made of clips of the podcast that Tim Heidecker started uh, just in his free time to begin with, office hours. And it continues to this day. It's got a big fan base of its own now. But when it started, it was just him talking to his fans directly via his social media page. Went up irregularly um, every week or so. Over the course of uh, the Office Hour podcasts he released, you can see how the trolls and their troll campaign started getting to him a bit. It's also backed up, as you said, by screenshots of his Twitter timeline during this time and the uh, ways that the trolls would try and get it in there as well. And it's interesting, a lot of these trolls were maybe part of the, well, definitely part of the alt-right. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want absolutes, but it's probably safe to say that yeah. that's the same type of internet subculture. Uh, that the quickest way of demonstrating that they were part of the alt-right is that the podcast, The Daily Shower by white nationalist Mike Pinovich uh, endorsed his show. And he was also photographed hanging out with alt-right figure Andrew Auernheimer, also known as Weave. So definitely involved in the alt-right. Andrew Auernheimer, previously famous for that song by Childish Gambino behind uh, that he did about him. Really? What's that? I don't know about that. Uh, it's called Life, the Biggest Troll, brackets Andrew Auernheimer. Is that really the same person? 
it's about the same person. And I didn't, I only oh. listened, it's on there because the internet album, which is kind of about how the internet and social media affects. Uh, he got a shout out from Childish, Childish Bambino. Yeah, and there's a, there's a line in the song where he goes, Andrew Womanheimer pulling on that weave. Fun piece of <laughs> That's great. Wow. Because he is quite famous in the hacker sphere, as far as I'm aware. But I didn't know he was uh, acknowledged outside of that. Oh, in the alt-right, of course, those two areas. And it, it, this is interesting. He's photographed with Sam Hyde and, and Weave, a photograph together doing like a Nazi salute, which some people could try and brush aside as, oh, it's just for the lulls, it's just ironic. But it's like, Weave is a... He's, he was, that guy's a big self-confessed like Nazi, right? Let's just say, let's just say the word Nazi. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sees nothing wrong with what Hitler did. Um, going back to 2016, people hadn't, hadn't really encountered this sort of overt, uh, white nationalism in this new ironic guise. So for a long time, people just presumed it was an extension of trolling. Um, and to some extent, I think the trolls themselves considered it an extension of their trolling. But eventually, uh, you know, if you, if you fake it long enough, I think it becomes a reality for you. So both Sam Hyde, Weave, um, very much believe in the concept of the white race and the preservation of the white race and the threats to the white race, without a doubt. And they wouldn't contradict me on that. Most, most definitely. Oh, and trolling is a big part of like, the million dollar extreme ethos, ethos. Like the, the, the aesthetic that they go for and, and i guess there's but there's stuff that you consider trolling in tim and eric as well which is how they kind of got mixed up in that they got confused with that or they're kind of like certain player bases were confused but they weren't all into that because of they did stuff in their awesome show that might have been seen as big of it transgressive yeah. yeah i mean awesome show is full of horrible images that seem to troll the watcher and uh, deliberately disgust them and sort of rub things in their face, uh, unpleasant images. It's got this subversive streak and Million Dollar Extreme and, and Sam Hyde in particular were very influenced by Tim and Eric, awesome show, great job. Um, and I, I, have a I have a quote in the film of Sam Hyde saying as much. Right, at the end of the day, I think there's a difference they don't seem to think there's a difference, but I think there's a difference between, say, Tim and Eric doing a bit where the whole bit is like, they're really shilling hard for Shrek the Third. And they do a, a series <laughs> I remember of, that. Do a series I remember of that. About that, which is its own way kind of a troll. That is trolling, isn't it? And there's a difference. I think there's um, a difference when when they were yeah. doing promo, unpaid promo for Shrek the Third, and going out to. Uh, journalist pits with Shrek makeup on and Shrek ears on and talking to them only about Shrek the third. That's trolling. A benevolent sort of trolling. Right, there's a kind of silliness to it, but Million Dollar Extreme, the alt-right, the trolls sort of thing, they think what they do is... The well, same. they're, they're trolling a, liberals yeah, from it's more point of, of more, view. More of a sinister kind of undertone, right. overtone, yeah, between their trolling. Sort of a bit more uh, at stake, the... The white race or whatever, there's uh, some earnest political, there's a very earnest political base to this trolling. And speaking of trolling, Sam Hyde, there's a clip, there's a very famous sort of thing he did. It was probably one of the things that got him noticed 
by Adult Swim, I reckon maybe the the te- the fake TED talk he did, or the real TED talk. Yeah, Benny that was pretty of... much directly responsible for him becoming noticed by people in the comedy world and getting invited to talk to Adult Swim and eventually getting a, a show on that network. And we have a little bit of a clip of that that we'll go into now. The second thing that inspires me are ideas. Ideas are amazing. Ideas are like currency. Ideas are what drives the world. Ideas are what we need to get to the next stage. And not just great inventions like the train, little things like this microphone that enables me to speak to the unwashed masses. TED Talks. TED Talks are another great idea. Where where would we be right now? And we have to talk about it because great ideas don't come in all shapes and sizes. 9-11, September 11th. And we're going to use some reverence here and not be silly about this, but look at what they accomplished with no weapons and just 11 guys who didn't even speak English. And that proves that sometimes great ideas are actually horrible ideas. So I'm Sam Hyde. I'm an important thinker. I'm a creator, innovator, artist, idea. But above all else, I'm a passionate, childlike innovator. I've been all around the globe. Globe. I mean, you can see, it's, funny, it's funny, isn't it? He's got some comedic timing there. I mean, what listeners don't see is that he is kind of reading off paper. But there is yeah, some, if... there's some decent stuff in there. It's like, it's one of those things where he has some interesting stuff, some scratchings. Of something there. Yeah. Yeah. He's making fun of someone who doesn't get made fun of a lot, which is the TED Talk viewer. The sort of self appointed know it all. Right. And you can sort of look at it that way. But knowing what we know now about him, Million Dollar Extreme, there's an extra sort of like, this is what the left wing are like. This is what liberals are like. They're so up their own asses all the time. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's the occasional dog whistle in there too a racist dog whistle. In one clip, he uh, references the knockout game. And the knockout game was an alt-right meme about how uh, black people, for fun, go up to white people and try and knock them out in one punch. It was sort of a a scare at one point in the alt-right. And he references that. That is a big thing in the alt-right. Certain dog whistling, certain sort of like, <laughs> we know something, and if you recognize this, then you're in the club. And if you don't, then uh, we've got one over on you. That is a big thing with this documentary, how, like, there's this thing that's, like, in a way, such a product of, like, a certain internet subculture, and how the 2016, not really is known, but by the end of it, by the end of the US election cycle, we're a bit more familiar with it. Yeah. Pepe sort of burst onto the scene for a lot of normies, let's say, because it was Hillary Clinton um, mentioning the alt-right that spurred one audience member to shout out, Pepe, which spurred a lot of uh, articles, explainers for the average Joe, exactly who Pepe is and how it's a hate symbol. And that itself was a source of a lot of entertainment for alt-right type people. Not so much for the guy who originally drew Pepe. 
No, I, I and feel, the watch feel, and please, please explain it. Yeah, I feel kind of bad for that guy. Uh, there was actually a documentary about him called "Feels Feels Good Man." So Matt yep. Fury, it's a cartoon. It's been working for years. He made this like lovable sort of stoner frog, and then it ended up kind of, you know, being used by people within those internet circles. And then eventually, it kind of just degraded and devolved into being used in like really awful, like racist ways. And then yeah. all of a sudden that's how it became associated. And that's what As the symbol seeing. of the trolls, really. Yeah. Yes, and watching that film, which is uh, called Feels Good Man, was a real inspiration for me uh, what, making my film because I realized that I had a lot of things to say about Pepe too, but only in, uh, res- with respect to this uh, feud between Sam Hyde and Tim Heidecker. And it is interesting. It's a weird... Now, the feud, the feud between them, a lot of it's like the fan base trying to get started. So when Million Dollar Extreme got started on Adult Swim, and it was only there for like... Well, what is it? Like a, like a split second, maybe before it's gotten broiled into controversy. But, We're talking, after all, about six episodes of 10 minutes each that aired yeah. at midnight on Adult Swim. Uh, shows like this pop up and disappear all the time if you watch a lot of Adult Swim. So it's nothing unusual that it was cancelled. But what was unusual was the reaction of the fan base of Million Dollar Extreme to this cancellation. Oh, definitely. And that a lot of the fan base think, well, what they did was not out of bounds for what like Tim and Eric do or Eric Andre does, which the fourth season of that show was like the lead in show for Million Dollar Extreme. But clearly they kind of thought there was some compatibility there, I suppose. Right. And they might have and, and they they, let's say, stick to Sam. Sam definitely seemed resentful that what Tim could do ten years previously, he couldn't do on his show. That's how he saw it. And that's how he saw uh, Tim's involvement with the cancellation of his show as hypocritical, but um, we don't know for a fact that Tim Heidecker was involved in the cancellation of that show. What do you think about this, Russ? Do you think that he probably did have an influential word at the network? I'm just, I'll take Tim Heidecker at his word, because at the end of the day, proven to be a bit more trustworthy than Sam Hyde. I can't trust anything Sam yeah. Hyde says, to be honest. So when he says, like, Tim Heidecker says, this fan base has been bothering me. They've been doing this, this, and this. It's kind of a bit of a problem. And that's all he said to the network, so to speak. I believe that. Yeah, sure. and I, I would believe that too, because that is that was taken as self-incrimination by the fans of Million Dollar Extreme. Oh, see, he admits he had a word with a, with a head honcho. And that'll swim. But I think Tim is being honest when he says that he's not as influential as you might think. Definitely. He's got a big fan base online. Uh, they all support him. So it can seem like he's an untouchable god. But he couldn't get on cinema recommissioned by Adult Swim this year. And that has a massive fan base. And, and if he was so powerful, he would have no problem getting the budget for such a small budget show. Definitely. And from, from like what Tim Heidecker has said in the past about how the network sees on cinema, it seems like on, they didn't necessarily get on cinema, but they, 
just he like, would oh. like to have that status at the network yeah. that he can call all the shots, but he's a creative. He's not been associated with the best selling uh, comedy of the decade. He's a very respected niche Andy Kaufman type comedian who makes what he wants to make. And yeah, I, I would pitch him about there in, in the comedy world. He's not Adam Sandler. Definitely not, who can get away with just doing movies because he wants, that's filming in like Hawaii and he wants to go to Hawaii. <laughs> I do wonder if he was offered those Adam Sandler roles, if he'd do them once every five years or so. He seems to be very um, straightforward about sometimes he's just making money, sometimes he's doing something he's really committed to, and uh, I respect that in the man. It's interesting that you, you brought up Andy Kaufman. He's famous, I guess, proponent of anti-comedy, we'll say. I'll say that in like mm. air quotes. And his whole thing is why people look at him and go, oh, he's always in character. Tim yeah. Heidegger, he's always in character. Yeah. Sam Hyde. You get also, he does comedy movie. under his own name. He has a character on On Cinema called Tim Heidecker, who's the opposite of how he is in real life. So he does that Andy Kaufman thing as well with his stage name being his real name. So they're all got that sort of thing in common. You get this, you have the fan bases that say, oh, they're just doing a character. So for a little while, people were like, oh no, Sam Hyde, he's just, he's just a really committed, he's a committed troll, that word again. Mm. He's really, yeah. really deep into character. Right. Many, many people who consider themselves centrists or left-wing were taken in by him, such as uh, the host of The Needle Drop, Yes, the name uh, escapes Anthony, me. Anthony Fantano. And I actually. Uh, yeah, to Anthony that Fantano. He is a very cringeworthy podcast in which he tries to buddy up to Sam Hyde. And Sam Hyde uh, kind of treats him with a lot of disdain. Bit of a creepy episode. Mm, he spends, uh, Sam Hyde spends the first 10 minutes of our podcast doing kind of a cringy Jamaican accent. Yeah, trying to push his buttons, but not succeeding because Anthony Fantano really wants to like the guy for some reason. And a lot, a lot of people did, to his defense. You know, under the same sort of feeling about like, oh, what this guy is doing. He has lots of views. He has lots of fans. He has good engagement. That's the thing. He was able to build up a very... Very loyal fan base. base. Right. As, as Tim Heidecker says in the film, you've got an army, dude. Yeah, but she says during that final confrontation between him, he's got an army. I mean, just go straight to... I don't know, Patreon or something, which I guess what he has done now. <laughs> the, funny, the funny thing about the uh, post-Heidecker feud, Hyde, Hyde's career post this fallout, is that he uh, seemed to um, open up his own Patreon site or something. It's called Gumtree. And he gets donations every month. But he's notorious amongst his fans for hardly uploading any content whatsoever. He really strings them along month by month. And so his post-2016 uh, output is uh, very minimal. But some of the things he would do, like, in terms of, like, not only just stuff like the TED Talk, like, there's videos online of him doing, like, open mics where he would just, I guess, Read out a list of... Um, homophobic, homophobic. Homophobic, quote-unquote, facts. Yeah. yeah, that's one of them. Pretty much trying to... <laughs> quote unquote, triggered the audience into like being upset right. and leaving. And that was uh, the punchline that they would leave the room uh, from, from hearing this stuff. 
But there is a layer deeper, which is Samhai does believe those facts he's reading out. And so for him, the humor is in uh, confronting liberals with facts they don't want to hear. And that's the hidden meaning of the thing. Right. And if he wants to upset, or if he wants to like poke the bear of like certain like progressive types, it's not that hard. It's, right, I mean, and that's I, I mean, the the kind of anarchic that... humour of it is that, yeah, um, the, the, the joke is that the people in that room, the type of hipsters who would be in that area, uh, listening to a stand-up like that, that they can't handle. They can't handle it. Uh, and you just need to provoke them uh, to the most minimal degree and they'll just storm out, outraged. They can't take it. I mean, sure, I, know, I wouldn't want to sit there for a show like that, I'll just want something funny. Again, you can sort of poke the bear yeah. and still be funny about it, you know? I, yeah, I mean, I, I feel for those people leaving because it's just not very nice, is it, to sit in that room and listen to all that rubbish? But yeah, I guess that makes me a triggered snowflake. Well, that's the thing, Liam. You're a snowflake. You clearly can't handle the truth that <laughs> gay people just have different brains that makes them the way they are, and that's bad. Yeah. And, and so on. You can imagine the rest of the sort of things he was so saying. On, so on and so on. And there's other open mic performances where he would like act out beating a woman with a with a belt. That's what I saw. Yeah, a sort of um, gravitation towards jokes about uh, women being attacked. And I think we have a clip from the film on that, don't we? And this clip we got here is of, let's just say, a, a million dollar extreme fan doing their yeah. own kind of documentary about how mm -hmm. they're actually martyrs for the cause in the, in the culture war. And here's him just describing like one of the sketches that made it to air on the Adult Swim show. Right. In the wine party sketch, Nick purposefully trips Sam's wife, causing her to fall through a glass table before convincing Sam of his innocence. I could elaborate, but truth be told, it's just funny seeing a woman with a bloodied face full of glass shards. Nick, what's going on, big guy? You just tripped my wife. You're gonna sit here and point fingers at me, and she's gonna crawl around on my $1,900 rug, bleeding from her eye sockets, and trying to tell me that I shoved her through a goddamn table. You're crazy as she is. I think you're right. You owe me $2,000. In episode four, a scene involving a paraplegic incel takes a ludicrous turn as a colorfully dressed Trex and his boyfriend. Which, I mean, that sketch in particular. It's almost, but in that entire show, almost, it feels the closest to almost being a traditional comedy sketch. Almost. Yeah, so shocking, it's hilarious, that sort of thing. And if anyone. Or so surprising and so shocking uh, punchline, like an, an absurd punchline, like the aristocrats or something. Sure, if any other group have done that, I probably would have just waved it off as like, okay. But since it's them and they have such a weird obsession with like, violence towards and humiliation of like women. I mean, it begins to all add up at a certain point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, when I first saw the TED talk, for example, when I first saw that, uh, I didn't hear any of the dog whistles. I thought he was a very talented stand-up in a new mold, in this anti-comedy mold. And when I saw the show, I still hadn't really looked into it much more than that. 
uh, besides hearing rumors that he was all right, I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. And watching the show, I still didn't see any of the dog whistles straight away. I just noticed it wasn't very funny. And, and a lot of times just deliberately so, and not even like that anti-comedy way. A lot of it seems like they were trying to do like their own art house. Right, Actual yeah. And thing. I like those bits maybe the best. There's one moment from the show I really like, which isn't really a comedy sketch at all, but something maybe more profound, which is a sketch set to John Mouse's Hey Moon in black and white and sort of portrays a, a man in an existential crisis. In a different context, you would say, okay, that's a, that's a brave piece of uh, art house filmmaking. Interesting, abstract, yeah. abstract concept. Right, but a bit of a mismatch in a comedy show on Adult Swim. And it's interesting that John Mouse was originally going, going song was going to be Cop Kill, another song he did called Cop Killer. And they changed it because of like, at the time, there was like shootings of like police officers during Black Lives Matter. They didn't want to be associated with that. So that goes back to their <laughs> alt-right leanings. They don't want to upset the cops. Right, some things they do hold sacred. Not race, uh, uh, not, what's, not, not anti-racism or anything like that, but uh, not disrespecting our cops. Oh yeah, sure. They're Blue Lives Matter, you know. Blue Lives Matter, yep. Liam, come on. <laughs> They're all about that, yeah. I, I hang around on the Adult Swim Reddits, and it seems like the show still gets brought up by the fan base. So we're like, oh, they should bring this back. Why did they cancel it in the first place? Yes, they won't let it go. They and really I, won't let it go. And I always find myself just dragging myself down to the same level as them because I can't stop talking about it. Because at the end <laughs> of the day, it's like, it's awful, but it's like, it's fascinating of like what it meant in that moment in time. and. Right, that this all happened in 2016, just as Trump came into office, um, means that this feud, although it's technically just drama between two comedians uh, online, of which there's plenty on the internet, it seems to crystallize that moment in time where uh, the world seemed to turn upside down for the liber liberal worldview. If it wasn't for Trump getting elected, could we see seen this show survive? Maybe a little longer. Maybe. I don't, but I don't think it was, I still don't think it was that long. Or if it was going to survive, I don't feel like it would have lasted maybe three seasons at most. I still come back to Sam Hyde's assertion that if he had made his show at the same time that Tim and Eric had made their show, would it have slipped under the radar? Because it is quite cryptic. The messages in the show are quite cryptic. Sam Hyde was overt about his politics outside of the show, but inside of the show, there was always a double, triple layer of irony to proceedings. So uh, interesting question. I think it might have slipped under the radar um, because the world of comedy and, and adult swim 10 years previous to the events of the film was pretty anarchic and exciting. And you had shows like Xavier, Renegade Angel, and Eagleheart, and lots of really crazy, great anarchic comedy on that channel. And often quite like gruesome and, and shocking. Yeah. So Sam Hyde really was a, was a student of all this stuff and was quick to learn and was very diversive in his output and has, and has had, has had many uh, admirable qualities as a comedian. But I'd say there was something missing there that made it all gel. At a certain point, it, was, it became so consumed with its own sort of 
bitterness, didactism. That's trying to teach, that's trying to uh, covertly tell the audience something about the red pill or something. Yes. Well, then also, we get some things on the show where, on that show where Sam Hyatt does very, like, mild blackface. Or he, he does mm. blackface without doing, like, it's not over the top. He pulls his punch. He pulls yeah. his punch on the black face. It's more it's, like a, a light brown face. Right. You know, it'd probably be a bit more acceptable if, like, people, or it might have been looked the other way a bit if the message of the bit was, oh, it's a white guy trying to do blackface, and that's wrong. Let's laugh at him for being wrong. But it's him just doing an impression of a black guy, his impression of a black guy. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, we might question it, but... It probably would have flown 10 years before the events of the film. So I think he might have a point there. Yeah, possibly, maybe. I was watching a Mr. Show thing the other day and I was surprised that one of them was doing like an Indian face, I suppose. Right. It really leaps out at you these days. Right, because you're just forced to like notice it all the time. I think the fan base of Sam Hyde would say it's all PC gone mad. But then again, maybe it's not just PC going mad, but current events, things that have happened and that we're all much more aware of now, having a reflection on how we uh, see images like that. Definitely something has changed, but I don't think it's that we are, uh, we've just lost our sense of humour. We're just living through different times. Yeah, so we have to be a bit more, I guess, contemplative about like what we're doing and like why we are doing it. Yeah. And that's they come from a certain sort of school of comedy where it's a bit like I should be able to joke about anything. Right. That sort of anarchic spirit of comedy that I mentioned earlier. Uh, and the trollish element as well that we mentioned before. It um, gave license to school of comedy where anything is up for grabs, nothing is sacred, and irreverence means irreverence. But I do think that Sam Hyde did hold some things in reverence, such as his ideology, which he kept hidden behind several layers of irony. At certain points. And then other points he would just do a sketch called Thank You White People, which... He oh, but that was, a, that was not actually broadcast, was it? It was not, it was not actually broadcast, but he did release it. He did right, after, after the cancellation. Uh, afterwards, it implies that he would have put it on the show. Right. I think that demonstrates that he, um, he did butt heads at the network, and they were aware of the type of show it was. He himself says that he made a lot of enemies at the network. And it's interesting that the word alt-right didn't have the super negative connotations it does now, after Charlottesville, Charlottesville and other events. Um, back in 2016. Back then, it was a word that, for example, Mike Cernovich, professional troll and Trumpist, uh, used for himself. And Paul Joseph Watson, who's like the English version of Mike Cernovich, um, he called himself alt-right for a while. So alt-right was actually part of the advertising campaign for this show by Sam Hyde and the crew. I mean, at first, it just sounds a bit Edgy. It almost, yeah, it almost sounds kind of cool. It's like alt rye, like alt rock sort of thing. It's cool. It's underground. It's not like that. It's not like your pop is alt right wingism. <laughs> right. I mean, really, it's more like your great grandfather's racism and conservatism. Uh, so that, that would be correct. <laughs> Everything's old as new again, I guess. 
Yeah, uh, going back to the founding fathers, almost the alt-right ideology, uh, sort of preferring uh, antebellum vision of America. It's interesting about the network. Even at the network, there was there are stories of a lot of like them being very like hesitant and trepidant about certain things. Like the show had like these um, very stylized like institutional titles between sketches a lot of that was all blacked out well um doing research for the film going into their old reddits which have been archived though now deleted i found uh, a lot of calls from sam hyde to um outsource some of the artistic work that went into the show and also for the book as well they released a book as lots of comedians do off the back of a tv show and it was full of um, contributions from his audience, artistic contributions, and the music as well in the show and uh, the editing work. There was a lot of fan-sourced um, material there, which is, which explains a little of how dedicated the fan base were. They really had a stake in this show. Right, he had a way of like making it feel like this is a little club, and right, we have to exactly. fight. For, have to fight for it. Right. The old the old word is subculture. It's a culture within within the culture that considers itself uh, as opposed to the culture. But it is interesting, you hear about all this stuff. As Sam Hyde said on that, um, that documentary filmmakers, that other documentary, the clip we just we played before, he had an interview with Sam Hyde where he talked a bit about how like, there was gonna be billboards, but they were trying to like sabotage it by saying all this stuff like, Give him ideas of like, oh, well, peace is racist, hateful, takes no prisoners. So he had to reject all of them. So it's just... just... Um, yeah, um, I, I'm not sure to what extent they did advertise the show, but I believe him when, they, when he says that they didn't want to advertise his show at all and deliberately tried to sabotage him in the advertising. But then again, I'm not sure if that was complete sabotage, because as I said, alt-right was a real hip phrase and people were asking, what does it mean? Uh, alt-right, what is that? Oh, I hear they're really uh, out there. Or I hear they're really um, edgy. So I think Adult Swim might have wanted to straightforwardly capitalize on that edginess. I think I remember on the actual Adult Swim website when they had like the, you know, the main webpage and they'll just have like, Here's this week's like uploads of uh, episodes of shows. I think one of the things that's said about World Peace is like it's racist and hateful and takes no prisoners. Like it would do stuff that like kind of links to that sort of thing. Yeah, and in the film, I have an example of one of those provocative uh, banners. And looking at it, I don't see it as necessarily sabotage, I see it as clickbait. Sam Hyde might simply be feeling sorry for himself and that he didn't want advertising to be that overt about the creator's political leaning. But I would also say, on the other hand, it probably did his show a favor in the ratings. And um, it was, a, it was a, a successful show. It did have good ratings, especially for that time of night. Oh, it did. Now, I do wonder if it's just people. There's a part of me that thinks it could have been just people leaving the TV on after Eric Andre, but I don't know. <laughs> I think Sam Hyde's continued success, in spite of a slow upload schedule, shows um, that maybe there was sh people just shows that, for that. A lot of people 
um, were turned on to the show and still support the show now, as you mentioned. It's still brought up to this day uh, where, where, where Tim Heidegger's name is mentioned. It's very often brought up. Um, and say, for example, Nick Fuentes, who is uh, an up-and-coming white nationalist, he's a big fan of Sam Hyde and has met with him in Yes, and was on, speaking of Office Hours Confrontation, was on the podcast as recently as, oh, what was it, the end of last year, maybe? It was as this film was released. So it was yeah. at, the, at the beginning of November or at the end of September. Um, but yes, Nick Fuentes came on to the Tim Heidecker Office Hours podcast, and it was a bit like a repeat of his run-in with Sam Hyde four years earlier. It was, but even more cringy because you can see, like, how you can actually see how he's reacting because it was on Zoom. Yes, I do wish we had video. I, for the whole film, I wish I had video uh, for the podcast audio that I used. But unfortunately, um, it doesn't exist. And so I was forced to find other ways to add visuals to the audio to make a film. Originally, it was just planned as a podcast compilation for fans who wanted to hear the whole story from beginning to end. But when I um, um, found that you could go into Twitter and look at all the tweets from that period in historical order, I got really absorbed in that and screenshotting uh, all, the, all the trollish comments that Tim got during that period relating to the story that was being told in the podcast um, that I uh, decided then that it would be more of a visual thing as well as just a podcast compilation. Well, that answers that. And it definitely does add something. Right. Being able it's to see designed examples. to be paused and read if you yeah. really want to get into the weeds. So for all accounts, it was Mike Lazo that was really into it. Like, there was a lot of people pushing against it but he was a guest fed champion. I don't know, from what I heard. He seems like an old-fashioned network guy, Mike Lazo, the guy who came up with the idea of Adult Swim, of making a cartoon-based network, which caters only for adults, and the sense of humour um, that, that it started with, with big shows like uh, Team... Uh, what's it called? Aqua Team Hunger Force? And other yeah, big successes... Nice. <laughs> and other big successes like that. Um, so it seems like if you could get through to Lazo, then you could get your show on the air. And it seems that that's what happened with Sam Hyde. He managed to charm Mike Lazo, if not any of the other people working at Adult Swim. He had the green light. And also, Sam Hyde will make these claims when he did release to Thank You White People after the cancellation. He made some claim in the YouTube thing that, oh, this was Mike Lazo's favorite sketch right. the, the law just gets deeper and deeper because yeah sam high did claim this of mike lazo but not only he didn't just commission the show uh, under false pretenses or anything he was really into the ideology apparently because he would laugh at such a uh, what should we say uh, overtly white nationalist friendly comedy sketch the sketch involving uh, Sam Hyde in character as a white man rolling a boulder up a hill and being thanked by various racial minorities for pushing that boulder up the hill. And then um, uh, through bad luck, there's a, a Jewish man who pops up and sort of causes the white man to drop the boulder, which rolls down the hill. 
and uh, Sam Hyde gives the punchline, guess I'm just a stupid goy. You also missed out the most crucial part of that sketch, was that the thing that made him let go of the boulder was the woman coming up and saying, thanks for giving us the right to vote. Oh yeah, I forgot about that part. It's a twofer. Uh, There's also a little swipe at women there for having the right to vote. And that pushed back society. Yeah, all that progress we've made since women's rights. It's, it's already gone. So for people who've never seen that sketch, it's like, it's like a propaganda film from another dimension, what I would call it. <laughs> it does seem a little bit Starship Troopers or something like that from an alternative future in which uh, the whole world is red-pilled. That's it, the same thing about the, the final broadcast sketch of World Peace, where it's a bunch of uh, like boys' like, inner monologues as they're like, tossing a football around and it's just all a bunch of stuff about Oh, I have to take this amount of pills every day. My mom's yeah. Donald Trump is a racist. It doesn't outright say the, the, the. It doesn't. It doesn't outright. It doesn't. It doesn't come out and say directly what it's trying to say, which is that masculinity in this modern age is under threat. Sam Hyde says that explicitly, for example, in the Needle Drop podcast, but not in the show itself. It's more artistically presented, and that that is kind of insidious, I think. Uh, Tim Heidecker wasn't putting in pro-immigration messages into his comedy, if indeed that's his political stance. That's what Sam Hyde's fans seem to think of him. But but he wasn't doing that. Oh, no, the only, I guess, political work Tim Heidecker's done is, like, he's on cinema character, who's, like, a big right-wing blowhard, and his, like, little sp- the spin-off show of that, Deco. That's, like, this 24... Right, but that's so overtly... That's a, yeah. And that's a bit more, like, obviously, like, okay, this is a bit, bit more... It's not cryptic, we're, we're, it's not hidden making, in there. That's, that's saying, that's their, like, that's as much, much political work as they've done, and it's much more obvious. Yeah, well, I think this more... whole, speaking of fans of Tim Heidecker, as we both are, um, I, like, um, I liked revisiting this particular year in the podcast, because it shows you him coming out um, from, coming off the wall. And that is, you know, what's it, what's it called, on the fence. This, this, um, what I liked about going back to this year in particular was that you can see Tim Heidecker coming off the fence during this whole thing. He begins it really reluctant to talk about politics whatsoever. He's very centrist, but after the experience, you can see it's informed his comedy in lots of ways. And I've shown, I showed lots of clips within the film of comedy that was clearly based on these run-ins with the alt-right in 2016 and were absorbed into the world of on cinema uh, in the years to come. And it's interesting because a lot of his NDE fans, they clearly just, they're getting at him because they just really wanted him to say, he loves Sam Hyde, he loves his work sort of thing. He's actually alt-right, he's part of them. But ended up doing the opposite and it's just, no, I actually hate (laughs) all of you. Yes, there is the, in the final confrontation with Sam Hyde, um, between Tim Heidecker and Sam Hyde, you can tell that Sam Hyde feels personally betrayed by Tim Heidecker. He should have been his brother in this fight. They should have been anti-comedians together, and he should have been an anti-PC person like Sam Hyde. But instead, he's a liberal cuck. And I think Sam Hyde feels let down personally by Tim because he looks up to him as a hero. And because he's a hero in his comedy, he feels like he should be an ally in politics too. Yeah, there was a real sense of like, hey, come on, 
like Bob Odenkirk helped you guys out. You should help Sam right. out, that kind of thing. Like, well, that's very nice that Bob Odenkirk did that, but that doesn't mean Tim Heidecker has to owes anyone else, but he has to pay it forward or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, he seems rather entitled, uh, Sam Hyde, I mean, seems rather entitled to success. He's so adored by his fan base and he has so much clout within his subculture that that clearly has gone to his head by the time he feels like he can call in and confront Tim, uh, of which we have a clip, I believe. Let's take this call. Someone's saying they are this uh, Sam Hyde guy. Let's see if it's him. Sam? Hey. What's up? What's up, man? How you doing? Good. How are you? Not so good. What happened? Want to guess? Hello? So, so Not so good. Oh. Yeah. What do you think about that? Oof. Cringy. Yeah. If I lost my job somewhere and I called up someone and acted that way, of course I'm not going to get my job back. Yeah, it has that feeling of someone calling in to ask why they've been fired, which well, is very true to what he thinks is going on. He believes Tim has gotten him fired. You know, Tim's obviously guilty because he did, because when Brett, Brett Gellman, we haven't even brought up Brett Gellman, he was a lot more overt about like, he wanted to, he wanted to stop working with Adult Swim because of like, not really going out working with women creators, as well as having Million Dollar Extreme on. He had this whole thing. Tim Eidecko came out and said, I support, support Brett, whatever he chooses to do. That obviously meant to his fan base that Tim is guilty because he supports his friend. Right. Uh, um, Sam Hyde sees everything from the point of view of Sam Hyde. So he, um, his, fa his fans were seemingly responsible for Brett Gelman leaving the network. Brett Gelman is friends with Tim Heidecker. Uh, Tim Heidecker is facing his trolls on Twitter and is complaining about the fact. So in Sam Hyde world, uh, these things are all directly connected and it's all about Sam Hyde. Whereas I think what really happened is probably a weaker, much weaker version of that. It was a sideshow in Tim's life that he wasn't very thankful for. And he was um, very put off by the behavior of Sam's fans who declared themselves to be Sam's fans. And Sam in this final confrontation can't really handle the fact that he is getting, uh, he is facing negative repercussions from the behavior of his fans. He doesn't own up to the fact that maybe he's attracted kind of a toxic fan base. Right. And um, this is the, man the mantra of all internet provocateurs like Milo as well. Oh, I'm not responsible for the behavior of my fans. And going back to 2016, the rules of engagement for behavior online were less clear. And there was a more uh, libertarian attitude to use of the internet and where responsibilities uh, ended and began. Whereas now I think we see that it's very easy as an influencer to incite your fans to leave a nasty message on a rival's page. You have to be responsible with that. And uh, Sam Hyde really wasn't responsible with that at all. 
that power. No, definitely not. And there is a certain point where it's like, sure, you can't necessarily control what people do, but also, in a way, maybe in some way, this is a reflection of like what you've done or what your work is and whatever. Right. At the end of the day, looking back on it, Sam's had a 10-year-plus career in comedy and he will be judged on his comedic output and not the size of his fan base uh, at a particular time. And he had a shot of being on Adult Swim and he ruined it by trying to <laughs> have a whack of the day. He kind of shot <laughs> I'll have a, another go at summarising the film, which is that a, an aspiring comedian... Um, uh, an aspiring comedian blew his chances at a large network by going down the alt-right rabbit hole. And you're seeing a person's career uh, as it's beginning, crashing and burning in, uh, I can't say real time, but in, in chronological order in this film. Yeah, beginning, beginning, middle, end. Beginning, the rise, the middle, the happening, and the crash. Right. As it begins, uh, Tim's career is at a point where he has a very niche audience, much smaller than back in the days of Tim and Eric, but a lot more loyal. And he's trying to branch out, and he is branching out, into the rock and pop world with his most ambitious album to date. So he's facing a bit of an identity crisis, I would say. Meanwhile, Sam Hyde is rocketing upward. He has his show based on his successful YouTube channel, coming to Adult Swim. Um, but I think what happens then is that Trump happens and Sam Hyde goes all in with Trump. Tim turns against Trump. And though Sam would have liked them to be friends, I'm sure Heidecker in some other universe would have liked to have been friendly with him too. But that emergence of Trump pits them against each other by the year's end. Uh, Sam Hyde's career's career is in tatters. And that's another great summarization of this film. <laughs> Thank you. Where can people find this? Well, it's exclusively on YouTube. So just search for my name, Liam Porter, and find my channel. Or search for the film's name, which is I Am A Cuck. Which is based off a song that Tim Heidecker did based on his experiences dealing with trolls online. That's also a parody of I Am A Rock by Simon and Garfunkel, which... Right. And uh, it's uh, a great song, I think, great cover, great song that sums up the year 2016 for me. And the actual alt-right trolls it's about may or may not realise it's a parody. So I think... They did not (laughs) all realise it was a parody. No, they did not all realise that it was a parody at the start. Um, And it was more sincere than it was. Yeah, and, and um, the, the videos of the song on YouTube were uploaded by alt-writers, sort of uh, astounded that Tim Heidecker would admit it, that he is a cuck. And it's the equivalent of like admitting that you're a bedwetter or something. When you're yeah, sick. cuck means uh, a loser. It means you, uh, you, well, literally it means that you let your wife have sex with other men. And to add to the alt-right's obsession with race, uh, black men, so to speak. Yeah, typically black men in the mean form. That, uh, you know, you, as a white person, you're somewhat a bit scared that you can't keep up with, but you're not going to say that. Yeah, there's clearly an insecurity that, belie- uh, that, that belies the, 
a motivation for using such an insult, which is that, uh, yeah, you see black people as more uh, sexually fit than you as a white man. People who don't have this anxiety wouldn't use the word. Definitely, definitely not. Cuck, what a dumb term. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's fun to say, isn't it? Cuck. Come, come at Tim, they say things like cuck. These days so, they'd say simp. Yeah, simp. Like Simpson, but without the sun. Is that where it comes from? Etymology is fascinating. And speaking of etymology, thank you, Liam, for coming on this show. This has been kind of a break from the usual destroys comedy. Because I myself would usually do a lot of is this sincere, is this not kind of type of thing. Well, it's very sincere in this podcast. What does that say? Well, yes, I don't know what it says, but uh, as serious as it got at some points, I had a lot of fun. And thank you very much, Ross, for having me on. Thank you, Liam. And you can look at his works on YouTube. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hello. Hello. Good morning. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, um, I just wanted to call and say that I think you suck a lot of dick, and I think you're kind of a faggot, and I don't think you're really all that funny anymore, so bye. See you later. Wow, he got me. Oh, son of a bitch! Man made He's a... Web. You don't need a name. Wow. Man made a thoughts, I ain't too ashamed. Oh, no. Uh, just so everyone knows, his profile pic was some anime chick. Um, if that's, that seems to be a trend with these di- these uh, dipsticks, 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 dipstic